Hi, I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gramos. And we're aiming for the back peg. This is Destination Doha, episode four. And no, we're not covering group D. We're leaving Australia's group right to the end of our group previews, leaving it till hopefully a lucky last. That's right. So we are covering off group E, who comprises of Germany, Spain, Japan, and Costa Rica. In particular, focus on Japan with our guest, who we're looking forward to having a chat to, Sean Carroll. He's a freelance football writer who's been covering the J-League and the Japanese national scene for the last decade since leaving the UK. Yeah, it'll be great to have a chat to Sean and, and hear his thoughts on what he thinks the Blue Samurai will do in Qatar 2022. So Nathan, Group E. Group E. What a group it's shaping up to be. Spain, Germany, Japan, Costa Rica. As we mentioned in the intro, this, when the draw was made, we're thinking, how disappointing for Japan. The best side in Asia on by all accounts perhaps this was the tournament that we thought yes they can finally do something dramatic on the world stage make it to the knockouts do it uh, go on a deep run but after seeing them drawn in a group with spain and germany they've got one hell of a mountain to climb they do you never know it is football right so they could potentially get out unlikely though i'm not going to make i'm not prepared to to make that call i'll tell you that now i've made some crazy (laughs) calls but i'm not going to make that call I think uh, Qatar getting out of the group got a bit of uh, feedback. Yeah, it did. But look, <laughs> I think history's on my side there, so it could be wrong. You know, time will tell. Time will tell. I personally think that uh, Germany and Spain will get out of this group, but we'll talk about it as we go through this uh, through this podcast. But jeez, oh, this is really, really a mouthwatering group from a football perspective as well. You've got the you know the Spaniards who are just brilliant. Germany with their World Cup history and a really exciting team as well. We know our Asian Confederation colleagues in Japan are really technically gifted and a really good side to watch. And you've got Costa Rica who have some World Cup history behind them as well. Even if it is just the one tournament that they have a significant World Cup history That's at. true. But Making the quarterfinals in 2014, a fantastic tournament for them. Can they replicate it this time around? Uh, I think perhaps not. I think we'll both agree with the opinion that they'll be finishing bottom of this group, but they're not going to be any pushovers. No surprises there, but yes, you're right. I don't think they're going to be a pushover either. Look, you get to the World Cup, you're not a pushover, right? So, But I'm really excited to to speak about the chances with regards to Spain and Germany. This is just... And that fixture alone, Spain versus Germany, is probably the fixture of the group phase. This is a match that could have been good enough for a semi-final mm. at this tournament. It might still end, end up being a semi-final. Could, we don't know how yeah, it's going to play out. We don't know how it's going to play out, no. The way these groups have been drawn, I think we mentioned in one of the previous pods, Qatar being drawn into uh, yeah. pot one. Yeah. It does leave Spain and Germany at, at uh, potential for drawing against you, each other. You're prone to get these kind of uh, draws when a less fancied nation is hosting because obviously they're going to pot one as the hosts. So yeah, it'll like I said, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, and the fact that Germany and Spain is the second match day, everything's on the line. It is, and it's not going to be a dead rubber. No, first and second will be on the line, as is getting out of the group because Japan and Costa Rica will be going head to head. We'll get into game by game, but Japan you, is still going to be very much alive at no, that point. Yeah, agree, agree. Look, Germany, Japan's, uh, and maybe we start off with Germany with this discussion, and Germany, Japan being the first match day. Great tie for the first match day as well. Strong. Very strong. Good stylistic matchup as well. Yeah. Japan, very technical. Germany, high energy. Very stereotypical 
of a German side that we often see from Bundesliga teams. And they've got some fantastic players, some good young players as well coming through, the likes of Musiala, who I think is going to be a real gem to watch in this tournament. Uh, we'll get into a player to watch a bit later on, mm. but there's plenty of good young players coming through in this German side, more so than they had in 2018, where they didn't even get through the groups. And it'll be a much better showing this time from the Germans. Yeah, Germany seemed to be stale in the last two majors, whilst I think with Hansi Flick taking over the side, definitely um, has given some renewal to the uh, German setup. So interesting to see how they'll stack up. I mean, look, the player that excites me the most in this German side is Joshua Kimmich. Great player. Phenomenal player. Can't speak highly enough of him. I mean, but where do you stop? I mean, Sane, another great player. Shown his wares in the Premier League. We're all familiar with him. This German side is stacked. I can point at Antonio Rudiger as well in defence. Having a fantastic season at Real Madrid. Gundogan. He's been revived. To Stegen. Three, I mean, four years ago, Gundogan couldn't get a run of games together. Yeah. He was picking up so many injuries. Yeah. Now at Manchester City, he's really become a core part of that midfield. And with the likes of De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva and so many high-level players for competition at Manchester, he's able to come through and start regular games and have a massive impact on their results. And I know he's the senior member of this squad, but Muller. Yeah. He's got a new lease of life. Oh, this German side is so stacked, it's it's ridiculous. How they And I, yet, I don't think they're considered to be a favourite for this because I think of the fact that Spain's in their group as well. People are looking at this going, oh, it's a really... And part of the bottom half of the draw... You know, it's a really tough draw for uh, for those teams because, you know, let's face it, these, like you said earlier, the Spain-Germany fixture could easily be a semi-final. Could, and a little spoiler for Group F, we have Belgium, Croatia, Morocco, Canada. I don't think any of those sides can trouble Spain or Germany in the first round of the knockouts, whoever uh, it is that comes out of that group. Oh, Maybe, Belgium. Maybe Belgium. Maybe oh, Belgium. Croatia? Oh, Croatia. I don't think... They're going to have a stronger showing as they did in Russia, 2018. No, they might not, but geez, you can't underestimate them. I look at the talent that Spain and Germany have. Sure. And then I look at Croatia. Yes, they're a good side, but I think Germany and Spain are going to be able to get past Croatia okay. without too much trouble. To your point, though, right? Spain and Germany come out of the group. Belgium, Croatia... Okay, we'll cover off in the next pod, but Belgium and Croatia come out of their group, potentially. My goodness. What a crossover a top 16. That is... You would take those as semi-finals. And two of those nations are going to go. They uh-huh. won't even see the quarterfinals. What a bottom half of the draw. Since we oh. are stepping into the bottom half of yes. the draw now, we have some unbelievable sides. Oh, we talked about incredible. some of the favourites on the top half in previous yep. shows. Argentina, uh, France in Group D will come a bit later yep. on. The Dutch, England. England. Mm. Some great nations there with yep. great pedigree on the international stage. Bottom half is stacked. It's unbelievable. You have it's Spain, Germany, this group. Yeah. We have Belgium, Croatia. Yeah. Unbelievable sides. Yeah. What do you make of the Germans' chances? I think they can make a run deep into this tournament, mm. Germany. As I said just before, I don't think it really matters whether they come first or second. Just looking at the round of 16 tie, I think they beat uh, any team in Group F, perhaps without too much trouble. But beyond that, it is knockout football, of course, and they can go the whole way. They are good enough to go the whole way. My one concern over them is up front, the goals. Timo Werner, yes, he's rediscovered some of his form at Leipzig since going back there from Chelsea. But well, I was going to say, he's not wearing a Chelsea shirt, so he should be okay. He'll be on target. He'll score. 
I don't know if I trust him again <laughs> to provide uh, the goals that this team surely needs. Yeah, yeah. Look, he gets himself into the right positions, right? Unfortunately, he just couldn't uh, do the business at uh, Chelsea. But he's found his form back at uh, RB Leipzig. Gnabry. Uh, I mean, you keep going through these, this side and you're going, well, Kai Havertz, you know, who's done it in a big on the big stage with the Champions League. But for mine, I, look, I fancy the chances. I think that they, being a typical German team, they'll, they can go deep and they will. I think that Kimmich is their star player to watch. Again, wouldn't surprise me if it's all, you know if they start off slow against Japan. Eke out, you know, the, the draw is eked out. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But it's just fascinating. This group is really, really fascinating. Uh, should we go across to Spain now? Yeah, let's have a chat about Spain and yeah. a side that topped their group in European qualifying. They beat out Sweden, Georgia, Kosovo and your Greek side. Unfortunately, didn't make it even to the playoffs. No. But losing one game, conceding five goals, not the best record out of all these European sides that have made it to Qatar, but European qualifying is so hard to get through and the fact they've come through in first place is nothing to be sniffed at whatsoever. They are one of the favourites heading into this tournament. A deserved tag? I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. It's really... Jeez. Oh, Again, you've got Morata, who's found his form at Atletico Madrid right after the last few seasons. The much maligned Alvaro yeah. Morata. But he puts on a Spain shirt, he becomes another player. You've got Ferran Torres, you've got Rodri, you've got Coco, you've got Gavi. Pedri. Pedri. The midfield is absolutely oh. stacked for Spain. You know, incredible. It incredible always has team. been down the years, well, as, yeah. as long as I know anyway, because yeah. the mind immediately goes yeah. to Xavi and Iniesta Busquets. Yeah. You correct. plug that straight into the Spain team and it was unbelievable. And we're having a we're getting close to a similar situation with Gavi, Pedri and Rodri. Mm. No, you're right there. It's a similar sort of style, similar sort of makeup of those three players mm. in that midfield. And great the, coach too. Great coach. Great coach. Luis Enrique. Great coach. Really, really good coach. For me, the question mark is the goals in the Spanish side because yes, you mentioned Alvaro Morata. When he puts on a Spanish shirt, he's a different player. But Ferran Torres, Palace Arabia, they don't really uh, scare me. Okay. Goals coming up against Spain. Straight off the bat, who's got more goals in the Germany or Spain? I think Germany do. I do too. If I look at Nabry, Sane, Werner, I do if it too. is Havertz, Musiala coming in. Yeah. Even from deeper, Goretzka, Kimmich has some goals in him as well. Yeah. No, I do too. Oh, I think that's fair. I think, look, as much as we can rave on about this Spanish side, I think that you're right. I will agree with you there that Germany have got more goals in them. Who's the Spanish star to watch out for, though? Pedri. I think that's fair. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. One of the best young midfielders in the world. Class class player. And he's so young. You know, He'll be in the Spain team for many, many years to come. And composed. For someone so young, he's so composed. So I don't think anything will phase him. You know, um, Having had played in the Olympics and under-20 World Cups, yeah, just a really good player. Really good player. How far do they go? I think they can go the whole way. I think so, too. I think that's, that's, I think the, that's the funny thing. They can go the whole can. way, even allowing for what we perceive to be their lack of goal scoring as compared to the Germans. I think the defence is strong enough to support mm. that, though. They can edge out games 
a 1-0 or a 2-1, yeah. they can get over the line. The defense is good enough. The midfield supporting cast is absolutely good enough. It's among the best midfields here at Qatar 2022. Mm. And if they can keep the goals out, you know Simon and Nett, who we assume will be Spain's first choice, good goalkeeper for Athletic Club, having a good season, both him and the team. Good form for the defense as well. Laporte is a linchpin now yeah. of that center of defense since switching over from French Allegiance. That's right. Another Basque player. This Spain side are ready to go on a massive run at this tournament. Disappointing, perhaps, at the Euros, do you the think? Last, well, I don't think going it was disappointing. Out, going out the semifinals, yeah, perhaps, a geez, bit underwhelming? That was the game of the tournament. That, that game was the game of the tournament. It was just enthralling to watch, right? The winner of that game was always going to... I had a feeling the winner of that game was always going to win the Euro. But I think it's actually going to hold them in really good stead going into this. We haven't even mentioned the star of that game at the Euros, Danny Olmo. Mm. Yeah, although he's recently injured, but his last start for Spain was back in June. This is a player who, when he has been involved in the Spain squad, he has delivered at a time where many other Spanish players really haven't been on the international level. He carried them at the Euros for a lot of the time. Mm. Uh, A player who, by all accounts, is going to be back for Spain in this World Cup. He has been out for a couple of months Mm. with a knee injury, but... When he does come back, what a weapon to have yeah. for Spain. Do you think Ansu Fati makes the side? I think he does. So do I. I think he does make the team. Yeah, and I think if he gets if he gets on the plane, he'll he'll do a a really good job. I think he'll uh, feature prominently as well. Joining us now on the back peg, our destination Doha series for our group E chat is freelance football writer Sean Carroll. Uh, based in Tokyo, who covers the J-League and the Japan national teams. Welcome to the Back Peg podcast, Sean, and thank you for your time joining us on our Destination Doha series. Not at all. Thanks very much for inviting me on. A shout-out to Tom Beyer from uh, Football Starts at Home, who's introduced us mutually, so it's been uh, great to catch up and uh, looking forward to having our chat with regards to Japan's chances and how you think they'll go in this World Cup. Yeah, very much so. Looking forward to getting into it. Well, let's talk a little bit about Japan's qualifying first up. It didn't start on the right foot, a tough loss at home in the very first game. Did it end up being a bit more precarious than first imagined heading into the qualifying for this World Cup? Well, I mean, as always, the, the early stages, or like the earlier rounds were, were too easy for them. You know, they were winning games 14-0 against Mongolia and things like that. So it is tricky, you know, with, with most of the players now, the, the Japan players playing in Europe. There's suddenly that gulf in, in the level of opponent they're playing in the early rounds. And then, they, yeah, as you said, they got off to a full start in the final round of qualifiers. Yeah, only picked up uh, one win in their first three, lost two of them, including at home to Oman, which, yeah, was, was obviously not expected. Confidence was quite high, bearing in mind how well they've been going until that point. And I think, personally, he gets quite a lot of criticism here and, and elsewhere. But the manager, Hajime Moriyasu, I think deserves a lot of credit because he was he was on the precipice, the, the home game against Australia. If they'd lost that game, or even if they'd not won it, there was there were a lot of rumours that he was going to be um, he was going to be out of the job after that. And obviously, they managed to win that game a little bit fortunately, perhaps, but they got the win. After that, they went on a on a winning run to secure the automatic qualification. It looked like after they'd lost two of their first three, that the playoffs was going to be the best they could hope for. Obviously, they were helped out a little bit by the Socceroos slipping into a bit of poor form at of, the end. But of course, of they course, won six games. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I thought I should bring that up. Uh, maybe <laughs> hey, all's fair in love. Well, that's fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, Japan won six in a row and 
you know, they, they, they earned the points, I think, to get there. And I think, yeah, I think Moriasu deserves a lot of credit for, for managing to keep the team together and, and get the points. You know, the performances perhaps weren't always as, as exciting as, as many people would like. But in the end, he, he did the job and, and got them to Qatar. No, agreed. Agreed. That, that, uh, we, we remember here the crunch game in Sydney just before uh, it was the second last qualifying match uh, before the Socceroos had to basically go to Saudi and, and get a result. And, you know, that was a gr- solid performance by Japan that night. And, you know, their uh, form indicates that they've been pretty solid since. Absolutely. And they could have wiped the floor with us even more. Oh, yeah. In that game, the way yeah, it, it panned out. scary. And for Japan, there's been uh, a lot of talk coming into this World Cup being that since Japan are one of the best sides in Asia, have been for a few years now, and the World Cup being hosted in Asia, perhaps there was a story before the group stage draw that Japan might actually be able to do something, make a bit of a deep run into the knockout phases of this tournament. Now the group phase draw has been concluded, and we have a tough group for Japan with Spain, Germany, the highlight teams. How much of the optimism do you think has subsided post the draw? In terms of around the team, in terms of fans, media, I think, yeah, definitely it's, it doesn't seem like there's as much excitement building towards this World Cup as, I, as I've seen in, in previous editions since I've been here. Um, that could also just be because of the timing as well, like it's coming at the end of the J-League season, obviously because it's in the winter as opposed to the summer. So maybe just the timing because, you know, usually they'd be building up, they'd have a, a break kind of a month before the World Cup, so there'd be quite a lot of lead-in, whereas the J-League still doesn't finish for another just over a week. It's still kind of a little bit of a split and I think obviously yeah I mean personally I think they shouldn't they shouldn't really overlook Costa Rica either but yeah Spain Spain and Germany in the same group as soon as the draw was made I think yeah most people thought oh okay well well that's that then but within the team they're still talking a good game and I mean yeah you know it's, it's the World Cup you'd rather be going there and, and testing yourself against the very best in the world seeing seeing how you go They've played against, no disrespect to any of these teams, but they've played against the likes of Denmark, against Senegal, against Ivory Coast. And, you, you know, you want to go there and you want to have these, these, like you said, the, the highlight teams, the games that you'll look back on in 10, 20, 50 years. And if they can get a result, it does so much for the for the confidence, not just of the, those players, but for the, the nation as a whole. So, yeah, as it gets closer, obviously no one is, is expecting them to, I don't think, you know, no one is expecting them to get through the group. But at the same time, I think people who who are close to the team, people who, who watch the team a lot are saying, well, they, you know, it's not impossible. It's mm. not impossible for them to, to eke out a point against either or, or both of Germany and Spain. If they can also beat Costa Rica, then, you know, Germany have got to play Spain as well. And four or five points can get you through. So it's not impossible. And Japan now, you know, the national team pretty much all of them play in Europe. They're used to playing against top players. It's obviously different because now you know they're, they're it's the full Japan team. It's not a Japanese player playing in a in a European team with with others from around the world. But I think they've yeah optimism definitely waned after the draw. But I don't think they're all is not lost. People are people are still quietly hoping that they can uh, they can do something. Do you think that there'll be more focus and attention paid to it once the J League season is over? Oh yeah, absolutely. Once once it's once the J League season is finished, the media will be will be fully focused on everything. They'll be following the national team, you know, day to day. There'll be updates coming out about absolutely everything um, in the build up. The, the squad is being announced next week, so I think once the squad has been announced, once we know who's going and who's not going, and you know those kind of small stories start to come out, 
coincidentally, well, I'm actually, I'll get a, a quick plug in here. I'm, I've written a book about Japanese football, which is is coming out just before the World Cup. And oh, the great. publishers kind of said, my editor said, like, yeah, they want to time it for that, you know, that just before the World Cup, because that's when there'll be such a focus. People will be paying attention to to the football and, and what's going on. And in Japan, it tends to happen around big tournaments. Um, it's kind of similar back in England, really, whereby obviously football is the number one sport, but rugby, cricket, Olympics, things like that. When, when the big tournaments come around, World Cups, the general population tend to kind of get swept up in it. And the same thing happens here. When there are big tournaments, more casual fans do start to pay attention. So I think, yeah, once the J-League is finished and the squad's announced and the team is off playing its, its warm-up matches, then, yeah, it will be full focus on, on the national team and, and how they're going to do. And being at the end of the J-League season, are you expecting similar excuses if it doesn't go particularly well? It's been a long season, uh, lots of knocks, lots of niggles that we often see from some of the European nations after an unsuccessful World Cup. Well, I don't know. Just because most of the most of the squad now, um, I was going through yesterday with a with a colleague, and we were trying to predict our squads, and we both came up with pretty much the same pretty much the same twenty six players, and almost all of them, certainly the ones that are going to start, are all playing in Europe. Any of the J League faces are likely to be backups or you know or sub players. So um, yeah, I don't think yeah the players can't really have that excuse. And there's a few injuries around, maybe not key players, but Koi Takura is kind of the the first reserve centre-back. He's been out injured with um, some ligament damage. Kaoru Mitoma from Brighton picked up a knock uh, a week or so ago and he's, he looks like he's going to be okay. But obviously, as with, as with every World Cup and as with every country, there are always these, these incidents that, that crop up just before. So yeah, everyone's hoping that everybody's going to be fit. But yeah, I don't think they can really use the, the Japanese season as any kind of excuse. Um, I think probably just the fact they've got to play against Germany and Spain is, uh, is excuse enough for Japan. So, Sean, I guess now is the crunch time. What do you make of Japan's chances? If we look at them game by game, you've got Germany up first. Then uh, the Blue Samurai have uh, Costa Rica in their second match day and finish off with Spain. Where do you see the Japanese getting their points so they can progress Um, through to the uh, round of 16? Well, personally, I'd kind of prefer if they were playing Spain first because I just, I just think that they've got a chance against Spain. They play a very similar type of football. They, they came up against them at the Olympics. I know it was a, an under-21 under or under-22 ended up being squad then, but both countries play a similar style of you know possession football at all costs, keep the ball, move it around, and they usually then don't take their chances in front of goal. So the game in the Olympics went all the way to, to extra time. So I was thinking if they could play Spain first and maybe get a draw, even perhaps sneak a win in that game and then you've got Costa Rica if they go in with some confidence they could have maybe then you know get a win against Costa Rica you've got four points and you're you're in with a big chance the fact they're playing Germany first and of course Germany have, have struggled at, at recent World Cups I can't remember if it was the last one or the one before where they didn't get out of the group stage same for Spain in recent memory too like they, things don't always yeah. go their way yeah 2018 um, and yeah it was 2018 wasn't it and they lost mm. yeah of course it was Korea South Korea beat them in the group I think Mexico maybe I think it was yeah. Mexico yeah, um, that's right. So yeah, they don't they don't always get it their own way, and things don't look like they're going you know perfectly for Germany at the moment. They played against England recently, and they didn't look unbeatable. But it, it's still Germany. It's still the World Cup. Playing them first is going to be very difficult. Obviously, lots of Japanese players do play in Germany or have played in Germany, so they're to, to some degree they're going to know you know what it's like to play against against the German players. But I just think that as the first game is very tough. If if they can somehow get a point from that, 
I think three points is going to be incredibly difficult, but they, they did beat Colombia in their first game at the last World Cup, Japan. So, you know, if something like that were to happen again, Germany get a, a red card early on, Japan get a penalty or, or something goes their way and they manage to hang on for a, for a win or a point, I think that really would give them a, a big confidence boost. The one I'm worried about is the second game against Costa Rica. I just I just hope that the the team is not underestimating that one. I hope they're not overly focused on on the, the big guns because I think Costa Rica are still a, a solid, hard team to play against. So that's the one I'm, I'm kind of a bit worried that Japan might do something against Germany and then undo it all by, by losing against, against Costa Rica. So that's the thing. But if, if they can get through with four points, I think, from the first two matches, coming up against Spain in the last match, as I, as I said before, like, I, I, think Japan can, I think Japan can go toe-to-toe with Spain. I think they can handle the style of football that Spain play I think they'll cancel each other out to a degree. And then it just depends what Spain need. You know, if Spain have beaten Germany and beaten Costa Rica and they don't need anything and they rest a few players, then and Japan do need to get a point or a win, maybe things could work out. But but if Spain also need points in that last game, it, it's going to be a very tall order. So, yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. But as always, you know, when, when you're talking about it in advance, things never go kind of as you expect. So many things can crop up. In, in every game, not just Japan's games, but the other teams in their group playing against each other. It's, it's all so dependent on on the situation uh, on the day. I wanted to ask you about the Japanese players in Germany. At the moment, there's a whole host of them that have been moving through, mm. taking the German route to other European clubs over the years. Very much a, a recent thing. Do you see that more mm. of an advantage for the Japanese national team or a disadvantage? Is it the case that the Japanese players are familiar with the Germans or are the Germans more familiar with the Japanese players? Um, that's a good question. I think, I think it probably goes both ways. I think, yeah, as I, as I touched on before, I think, yeah, the Japanese players knowing that they, they can play in the Bundesliga and do well in the Bundesliga gives them that boost of confidence. I think even as recently as, as 2010, maybe even 2014, there was still some kind of inferiority complex. Subconsciously, the Japanese players felt at the World Cup they're playing against these players that they've seen on TV that play in La Liga, in the Bundesliga, in the Premier League, and it kind of it kind of worked against them. Whereas now the Japanese players know that they're they're good enough to to play against these players. But yeah, at the same time, the Germans also will know the the strong points, the weak points of the Japanese players as well, which might count against them. But I mean, the the Japanese national team obviously they play a different kind of football to that which the the Japanese players are playing in their different clubs in Europe. Obviously, every every team plays a slightly different approach, different tactical approach, different formation, uses their players differently. So, yeah, maybe maybe in a small way it will, it will help the, um, the German players out as well, knowing you know how Wataru Endo is, is going to be moving around in the middle of the park, what he tends to do or not do. But I think on the whole, the fact that more players from Japan are playing in, in Europe serves more as a benefit to Japan than it does as a, as a drawback. So, Sean, I guess now it's time to uh, lay our credibility on the line and hopefully we get things right, but more than likely we'll get things wrong. <laughs> Let's ask you what you think uh, each game will pan out and how you think the group will pan out. Uh, Germany versus oh, Japan. God. Fearless prediction Germany time. Germany versus Japan. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm going to say... Uh, let's be positive. I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. Great, great. Okay. 
Japan versus Costa Rica? Ooh, Japan, Costa Rica, let's... Oh. This might be a draw too. They might end up drawing, I think, another 1-1. One, one. Okay. All right. So, and then the final game. We Here we are thinking that Japan might be the flag bearers for the AFC, but... Yeah, a bit scary here now. Japan versus Spain. Um, Japan against Spain. I think oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to say nil nil. I can see them both just not having quite enough in the final third. Um, wow. Okay. So I, I looked at now. Yeah, that that's how I see the three games. So three draws. I'll add the, I think three draws. Yeah, and I that... can see them really working to to stop Germany and, and Spain playing to their best but not okay. having enough themselves and right. then Costa Rica maybe just yeah both teams will look at that fixture as the one they have to win and yeah. maybe just cancel each other out okay. but I'll give I'll add the caveat of that that is looking at it now kind of a month out yeah of course Obviously absolutely once, yeah. Once, yeah that's right once the first once the first result happens and depending on how the the other two teams in that group got on so much can change but yeah looked at if, if they were all just three standalone games being played as kind of friendlies or whatever. I yeah, think sure. That's, that's how I can see them going. Yeah. Okay. So, who do you see come comes out of that group then, Sean? Do you, do you think the powerhouses Germany and Spain in all reality? Um. Yeah, I yep. think so. Japan will draw the three. Germany and Spain will probably draw with each other, and then both both beat Costa Rica, so they'll get four. Yeah. I think we're here hoping four, that, that something J- like that. Yeah. yeah. I think we're here hoping on the podcast, at least, that Japan uh, are a thorn in the sides of either Germany or Spain, just to add a bit of... One, it will be a great story for for Asian football, I think, and a coming of age for Asian football. And just to, you know, it'd be a great narrative as well for for the actual World Cup itself to actually have one of the powerhouses go... And I think Japan yeah, out of yeah, that group absolutely. might be the only team that might be able to do it as opposed to, you know, with all due respect to Costa Rica. Yeah, I think if, if anyone's going to, I think Japan could, as I said before, I think maybe Spain is the one where they could they could edge something. But yeah, so much is dependent on the motivation of the teams on the day and, and who needs points and who doesn't. And I just, yeah, the Germany game, I think, I'm just, I can't really see a way that Japan, even if they're, if they're winning, I just I can't see them being able to hold on late on. Um, and if Germany go ahead, yeah, I just I don't know if Japan have got got what it takes to be able to break through. So that first game is is really tough for them. But yeah, as you said, it would be a great narrative. Everyone wants to see the big teams struggling. You want to see newer, you know, sort of um, what's going to be called less famous yeah, sure. teams from other parts of the world causing upsets. So yeah, I think it would be good for the World Cup if they could. But yeah, it's that group has, has really served them a, a very very difficult uh, a difficult draw. And Sean, can I get you to shed a bit more light on how big a story it would be for Japanese football if they were able to pull off what is seemingly perhaps the impossible and get out of the group? How big a story would it be in in the Japanese circles? Oh yeah, I mean it would be huge. It would be absolutely huge, especially bearing in mind what happened at the last World Cup when they were they were so close to eliminating Belgium and then and then threw it away at the end. There was so much kind of navel gazing after that, so much looking back at what what went wrong, why Japan couldn't do it, and yeah, if they were able to beat not just a you know a European team at the World Cup, but to beat one of the the former champions, you know, the, one of the biggest teams in world football, would it would serve as a huge boost just for the 
going back to a previous point, like just for the confidence of the players here to see that they're not actually any worse than players from these these you know big countries. I think you know it's changing gradually now. More and more Japanese players are moving to Europe quicker and realizing that it's still football. It's not it's not a different world. It's the same game that they're playing here. But on a, on a wider scale, yeah, if they were able to do that, it would it would also open the eyes. I think of a lot of people further afield around the world. I've been looking at a few World Cup previews or players to watch at the World Cup and these kind of things, and they invariably tend to be Europe and South America focused. And any any kind of preview about the Asian teams tends to be very surfacey. There's not really much um, understanding of of Asian football, which is fine because. There's a, there's a hell of a lot of football going on in the world Absolutely. and my knowledge of of European football now is not as good as it was when I was living back in England because I haven't lived there for over a decade you know I, I don't know I barely know anything about African football you know you, people have their their fields that they focus on but I think in general the kind of the more mainstream coverage it, it would be nice if there was slightly more sort of I don't know how you put it more research more kind mm. of close coverage done of of, of Asian, um, of African football, you know, these, these countries that don't really get much attention. And I think if Japan were to do something like that, you know, if Iran were to, to cause an upset and, and beat England or do something against England, just would open people's eyes a bit more and then maybe they would, yeah, start to start to pay a bit more attention to, to what's going on outside of the kind of, the, the sort of the main, you know, for the mainstream football, the European big leagues and the, the European countries plus kind of Brazil, Argentina. Sean, just before we uh, lose the link, um, wanted to uh, just find out from you, who is the player that we should keep an eye on as far as the Blue Samurai is concerned? Like, who's the... the... Their, most, their, their most important player, I think, is Wataru Endo in the sort of defensive midfield, yep. just because he holds everything together. When, when he plays and doesn't play, you see the difference. Yep. Um, he's, that, he's the shield in front of the defence. He moves the ball well. He organises everything. Their shape is just better when he's there. But in terms of attack... I think it has to be Kaoru Mitoma, as, mm. as you guys learned. He's so he's capable of doing something different. Japan has quite a few very talented attacking players, Takefusa Kubo and, and Mitsu Doan, yeah. and these guys, Daichi Kamada. But they have a kind of a certain play style, and once opponents work out what they're doing, they, they, they have had games where they kind of get closed out. But Mitoma is, is so unpredictable and, and so willing to, to try something different that I think, and he's not quite known enough yet, I don't think outside of Japan. He, he did well in Belgium, but you know, not many people focus on the Belgian league. He hasn't really got many chances for Brighton yet. So I think this he could be in that nice kind of zone where he's still good enough, but maybe opponents aren't quite prepared for him. So yeah, I think he, he, he'll be the one in the final third, but, but in terms of most important, yeah, I'd go with Endo. Uh, and just before you go, overall World Cup winner. Oh God. Uh, overall World Cup winner, I'm gonna say. Oh, let's go boring. Let's go Brazil. I'll say Brazil. Okay, Sean, you mentioned that you're uh, you've authored a book that's about to be published. Please give that a plug, and also where our listeners can find you on social media. Um, well, in terms of the book, I'm not. I can't really plug it because it still doesn't have a title. <laughs> I've got a meeting. Um, I've got a meeting with my editor uh, after this, where I'm hoping we're going to finalise it. And also, it's 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 only out in Japanese for okay. now, right? So yeah, no one can actually get hold of it Fair unless enough. they speak speak Japanese. Sadly, but I am yeah, I'm looking into doing an English version as well. Awesome. It sadly, won't make the World Cup, but yeah, 
hopefully I can get something out in the in the new year, maybe looking ahead to the next Asian Cup or something. Uh, depending on uh, on how Japan sure. goes, they win the World sure. Cup now. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to rewrite quite. Well, quite he's a few hoping. Bit. He's hoping. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, on Twitter I'm a uh, Sean Kyaroru, which is which is how they say my name in Japanese. So it's S E A N K Y A R O R U on Twitter. So yeah, I post my articles and bits and pieces there when I'm at games or just yeah. I don't I don't tweet prolifically, but I That's am right. there. Yeah. No problem uh, at all. Fairly often. All right, Sean. Thank you very much again for joining the Back Peg and our Destination Doha series. And we'll uh, keep in touch and, and keep an eye on, on Twitter. Yeah, not at all. Thanks for having me. And yeah, hopefully I come back on after Japan have uh, lifted the trophy in uh, five or, well, no, how would it be now? About <laughs> six, seven weeks away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah not long, <laughs> not long, not long, that's for sure. Not long. It's get, yeah, it's getting scarily close. Looking uh, forward to it. To get prepared. Thanks yeah, again, thanks Sean. Thanks guys. And let's turn our attention to Costa Rica, the last team in this group. Ranked 34 in the world. Yes, we have alluded to their quarterfinal berth in Brazil 14. Aside from that, not a whole lot to speak about. But it was a qualifying campaign where they did struggle at times. Mm -hmm. And they eventually finished fourth Mm -hmm. in what is perhaps some of the weakest teams around the world in terms of qualifying. The likes of Honduras, El Salvador, Jamaica. Be good to put Oceania and CONCACAF together. Imagine New Zealand turning over the USA. Oh, oh, they wouldn't be able to deal with it. Can we think. leave this in the pod? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, Costa Rica struggled against New Zealand. They they really did. Lucky they shouldn't have it. even come but, away with a one 0 win because no, they, they should have. have had, New Zealand should have had. New Z, that was New Zealand's to lose. They should have had a penalty later on. Yeah, I'm really saddened by the fact that our Kiwi cousins uh, can't be there because they deserved. Well, having watched that game, they deserved to win that game. And I think the way that this group is shaping up, if you swap out Costa Rica for New Zealand, I don't think the results are going to be too different. No. So the the, the Kiwis would have given a good account of themselves, but yeah. It's a real shame that New Zealand didn't get through and they were very close. Costa Rica sort of struggling in Qatar the same way Peru did against Australia, but they were able to get the job done. Correct. And as a result, they are in this really tough group from their perspective to get anything out of it. Very difficult to see how they come away with points, let alone mm. a win. Mm. One nil win against uh, New Zealand, obviously. Then a two-all draw against Korea, and a two-one win away to Uzbekistan. That's really it. Although they have got a couple of friendlies lined up pre the World Cup, actually. They're one of the only teams that has yeah, a couple going. Right. Most yeah. sides have a week to prepare. Maybe yeah. one friendly squeeze in on a Tuesday or Wednesday, but they're an intra-team friendly. Yeah. Yeah, but they've got uh, Nigeria and Iraq, so they'll. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what happens in those games prior to them kicking off their World Cup against Spain. Yes, yeah, a tough game first up. I mean, they're all tough games for Costa Rica in this yeah, group, and my play to watch because of that is Kalor Navas, the goalkeeper. He'll be he's, busy. He's going to be very busy. Yes, he's indeed. a quality keeper, though. He absolutely is. Yeah, he's a quality. For keeper. mine, if Costa Rica are to get anything out of this series of games they are going to have to play for draws and try and yeah. get something on the break yes Joel Campbell can provide some attacking threat I see Brian Ruse is still there yeah a player who was part of the Costa Rica side many many moons yeah. ago yeah. still going surely his last World Cup yeah now. I'd say so and Costa Rica I can't see them getting anything more than uh, zero points apologies to our Costa Rican friends but I agree with you Neil Poir is that how Nil- they say it in Eurovision Neil Poir there indeed. you go Neil Poir well in group A we trashed Ecuador 
yeah. saying they're going to come up with no points and a tough time. And we've, we've trashed another uh, Latin America side here in Costa Rica. Apologies to our Latin American friends, honestly. We don't mean any offence <laughs> at all. But yeah, I don't see Costa Rica uh, getting out of this group. And I don't see them getting any points. But I'd be happy to be proven wrong. Same here. Same here. Just like it was with Japan. If Costa Rica can do something, what a story it would be. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So Nathan, do you think that the Costa Ricans have gone over a week early or are planning on going over a week early to check out the fan zones before the World Cup starts? The very dry fan zones that they'll be. One won't be dry though. So for those of you who are lucky enough to be going, the FIFA Fan Festival at Albida Park, which spans 500,000 square metres, would do you mind? Uh, is expected to have more than 1 million visitors over the course of the tournament and there will be alcohol on sale at that Albida fan park fan zone there from 6.30pm to 1am but of course you're only allowed to be there if you've got a ticket only in that specific area I assume you're allowed to consume alcohol yeah I assume so there won't be a a big massive huge fanfare that we're used to seeing at World Cups in years gone by where you get a lot of people travelling that are just going for the atmosphere. I think that the Qataris will relax some of their customs and, like, you know, their laws. A blind eye will be turned at uh, some of these uh, fan festival parks, I would say. I think that'd be encouraged by FIFA. Because this is... If FIFA would know about turning blind eyes. Ah, yes. FIFA know all about turning (laughs) blind eyes. Stay tuned for our Controversies episode coming soon. (laughs) Uh, So, yes. So, for those of you who are lucky enough to be going, 6.30pm to 1am, check out the Albedar Park at the FIFA Fan Festival there and maybe you might see the Costa Ricans there just before the World Cup starts. Might be the happiest they'll be. Might be. Alright, so Nathan time for word association at the back peg. So let's aim for the back peg here and go for word association. Germany. Sauerkraut. Oktoberfest. Mm. Two fantastic things in German culture. Never been but I'd love to go. Spain. Siesta. Siesta, I like that. Real Madrid for me. Yeah, as that's very appropriate for, yeah. uh, for 2022. Real that's Madrid. right, Real Madrid. So Japan. Disciplined. I think of Asahi Black. Yeah, a good brew. Good brew, good brew indeed. I don't think you'll be able to get one of those in Qatar. <laughs> Not at the fan <laughs> festival anyway. <laughs> Costa Rica. Brazil 14. There you go. That's basically my go-to thought there for go. Costa Rica. And I would say the Caribbean, just in general. So Nathan time to go game by game in this group what do we think Germany versus Japan first up as much as I want this to be a a good result for the Japanese what an amazing story it would be for Japanese football for Asian football for European football a big shock surprise like it was Germany South Korea in Russia 2018 I think Japan are going to fall that little bit short it's going to be a good matchup really looking forward to this game how the two teams line up who sort of gets on top as the game progresses I think Mm. Germany as we mentioned, do have the star power to get them over the line in this one. Narrow German win, two goals to one. I agree with you there, Nathan. As much as I'd love to see the Japanese stick it to the Germans, I think Germany will win 2-1. It'd be great to see the Japanese team stick it to, to the Germans, like we said, and it'd be great for Asian football and world football. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I can't see, can't see it this time around. I think Germany will be too strong. Uh, Costa Rica and Spain. I can only see this going one way. Mm, same. I've got Spain three points, quite comfortable in the game. Two goals to nil. Could be a whole lot more. I think it'll be 3 nil. That's it's, a fair call. Yeah, I think it'll be 3 nil. So we've got Spain on three, Germany on three, going into match day two with Japan and Costa Rica on nil points each. And we head into match day two. We and have Japan. the match day. 
The match the day. The match day. Indeed. Spain against Germany. The big game. Potentially a World Cup semi-final in a different tournament. Drawn in the same group as we've been talking about. Match of the group phase. Match of the group phase. And this is the match to determine the group. Who goes through first and second. Who goes through it all. Perhaps if someone is losing this game, they are a bit on the back foot yep. going into the final match day. Yeah. The more I think about this game, the more I see a tour draw. I, I see where you're coming from because neither side can afford to lose this game. Yeah. A draw suits both sides. Going into match day three, maybe both go end up going through on seven points. Yeah. Depending how that one would pan out. I think Germany, because of the same reasons why they would beat Japan, I think, yes, the Spanish defense is good, but there's too much for this German side yep. for mine. I'm rating them quite highly to come out of this group. Yep. Strongly. Six points out of six. Okay. Two goals to one. All right. Whilst I see a tour draw. So then we go to the other match for match day two in this group, which would be Japan and Costa Rica. Surely Japan. For mine too. Surely. I, I think Japan win. Yeah. 2-1. Yeah, 2-1. I think 2-1 okay. as well. So that would mean that in your group, Germany on six, Spain on three, Japan on three. Behind on goal difference. Yeah, and Costa Rica on nil. Whilst I would have Germany and Spain both on four, Japan on three, and Costa Rica nil. Okay. And do a, a tasty last match the last day. match day. Okay, so Costa Rica, Germany. I think the Germans just swat them aside for mine. Yep, I same. think I've got this one down as a four nil. Same. No, I agree so with that. That leaves Germany for mine on nine points. Yep. Comfortable group winners. Whilst Germany on seven points for me. There, I agree with that. Then Spain and Japan. This has got it. This is a, this is a tasty match for the last match day. One with plenty on the line because mm. Japan's still alive in both our scenarios. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they need to go and get something from this game to have any hope. Correct. Even a draw is probably not going to cut it. They need to go out and win. Mm. They'll be on the front foot. For mine, I think they'll have a lot of the ball, a lot of the chances. I think they might just fall a little bit short. I'm going down as a one-all draw. Wow, okay. I think Spain shade this 2-1. As much, again, as I'd love to see the Japanese do do a number on the Spanish here and actually qualify to the next to the round of 16, I just see Spain just going through. So in our scenarios, you have... Germany on 9. Yep. I've got Spain on 4. Yep. And Japan also on 4. Mm. And goal difference deciding it, unfortunately, for the Japanese. Okay. And Costa Rica on... Nil point. Nil point. Whilst I have Germany on seven and Spain on seven. And they go through. And you've got Germany top in the group. Yeah. On goal difference. On goal difference. Japan finishing third. And Costa Rica you've again. Got Japan on three points. Nil points, yes. Correct. So the same order. Yeah. Just whether it comes down to goal That's difference right. in which Correct. scenario it does. Correct. So Correct. As much, and like we've said previously, you know, as much as we'd love to see the Japanese get through, I just think they're going to miss out. So we've hit the back peg. There we go. Thanks to everyone for listening to this podcast and looking forward to podcast five. Podcast five, which will be looking at group F. That'd be great. Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. Croatia. Jeez, that's another interesting group, isn't it? It is. We'll try and get a guest going for group F. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Stay tuned on that one. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you for your company on the back peg and we'll see you soon.